we explore practical ways to put our inner calls at the service of the common good. Welcome to the Profit Podcast. Hi. Ciao. Hola. Salut. Ni hao. Hola. Apakaba. Sin ciao. Sawaji. Marhaban. Welcome to the show. We are your hosts, Evelyn Sanchez and Enrique Sanjais. We are privileged to have as our guest today, her, whom most people call professor or sister, but we have the blessing to also call her friend, the greatest Helen Alford. She studied manufacturing engineering at Cambridge, UK, and worked in various manufacturing companies, including Michelin Tire. After finishing her PhD thesis on human-centered technology, she experienced a major change in her life when joining the Dominicans. And as a result, she was sent to teach at the Dominican University in Rome, the Pontifical University of St. Thomas. She is now an ordinary professor of economics and ethics and wow, Vice Dean of the Faculty of Social Sciences, as well as Vice Rector in the same university. Her research mostly looks at the role and impact of ethics and Christian social thought in the field of management, sustainability, and increasingly, artificial intelligence. Yes, you heard well. Christian social thought and artificial intelligence are examples of fields of study in which she has been doing research. Is it even possible not to get excited about her experiences? As if it were not enough, she is also an ordinary member of the Pontifical Academy of Social Sciences, a consultant to the Dicastery for the Promotion of Integral Human Development, and a senior advisor to the Blueprint for Better Business, based in the UK, and which you, dear listeners, have already heard of before. Be very welcome, dear Helen. It's an honor to have you here with us. Thank you very much. We just want to our uh, audience to know you and please uh, present yourself. Who are you? Okay, so uh, I am very, very happy to be here with you all today. I am a Dominican sister. I suppose that's where I would start. So I belong to the Dominican order. It's a very special year for us this year because it's 800 years since the death of St. Dominic, which we also call the birth into eternal life of St. Dominic. So we have a lot of activities going on about this important event. Um, and I work in a university in Rome run by the Dominican order. Uh, it's called the Pontifical University of St. Thomas. Um, and it's partly because the thinking of St. Thomas is very important for our university. Um, and I'm in a department called social sciences. Um, and so I'm teaching courses like history of Christian social thought, um, uh, also history of economics, um, then various kinds of seminars. For instance, next year, I'll do a seminar with an Orthodox scholar on Catholic and Orthodox social teaching. Um, sometimes we've done seminars on migration, on urbanization, um, on the climate crisis, um, also on things like care, 
health and care. So various kind of topics which are really important for um, our life uh, in society today and, and for the sense of the role that Christian thought and the Christian community could have in today's world in confronting these problems. I'm also the vice rector of the university. So that means I have to think about the university as a whole. And that's very interesting too, because if we think about the problems we have today, which I think we could put into two basic groups, we've got the systemic problems, which are like the ecological ones. Mm -hmm. and, and we have the social problems, which are to do with the various um, issues in our societies today, in our social life, things like inequality, exclusion, marginalization. We have a whole series of specific ones to do with the pandemic now. You know, we can think of all kinds of ones. So I think we have two basic big sets of problems that we have to confront today. And both of them need transversal uh, interdisciplinary thinking. You know, we really need <clears throat> the insights that theology and faith can give us alongside the insights we can get from economics and political science and evolutionary psychology and, you know, all the other important disciplines that we have. They all together can help us confront our problems. And that's what I see the university really being about. We're, we're generating knowledge that can help us confront the problems that we face and contribute to building a common good, to confronting the, the common bads, if you like, or the, the structural sins, um, the, the problems that we have, and to help us uh, recognize value and build the good in society that we can build, help people follow and live their vocations as part also of helping others, helping others confront their problems and helping them to grow. And we wanted to, to know which was or which were the top moments in your career. We mean um, the points in your career in which you, you, you said, oh my God, yeah, I'm doing a great thing. I'm helping a lot of people and, and transforming lives. And, and you felt like your, your inner call being fulfilled, you know? Yeah, I think I would say the first moment I really felt this was when I was a student. I was studying engineering and I had to uh, take a course which was called the Social Dimensions of Technology. And in this course, I had to read a paper that was called Engineers and the Work People Do. And it really changed the direction of my life. I, I think in many ways it, it, it showed me the way forward. I didn't realize it completely then, but I knew it was really significant, this, this paper. And, and just to tell you what was basically in it, it started off with the author who was a big professor of engineering. So he was a kind of serious figure in the field. He mm -hmm. uh, started off with a sentence, which was something like, what I'm going to describe to you in this paper is something that I think you'll all think is very, very normal. But I hope that by the end of the paper, I'll be able to convince you that it's really strange and odd. 
we should really see this as strange. And he talked about an ordinary production line um, that was producing light bulbs. And you mm -hmm. had a mostly mechanized process, um, but you had women doing a few small jobs. And one of them is picking up every three and a half seconds a piece of wire and inserting it into the coil of the lamp bulbs. We don't have exactly the same kind of lamp bulbs now, but at that time. And that was all she did for the whole of the day, every three and a half seconds, putting these little pieces of wire in the lamp bulbs. And so he says, okay, it's important that people have jobs. We'll talk about that in a moment, but let's right now just think about the quality of this job. You know, it's a kind of soul destroying job we would say in English, mm -hmm. to ask somebody only yes. to do that every day. And you might say, well, couldn't the engineers design a machine to do that? So we don't have to ask a human being to do it. Mm -hmm. And so he goes through all the ways in which you could do that. And then he says, um, you could give it to students. You know, students could uh, think about how to do it. But then he said, one more bright student might think, um, it's great for us to design a machine. We enjoy doing this but it's actually quite expensive to do it. And it would be much cheaper for us to buy a robot and to get the robot to do this because mm -hmm. the robots are mass produced. So he says, okay, that's interesting because the student is thinking this isn't only a technical problem. This is also an economic problem. And we need to think about this problem in a bigger perspective. So he mm -hmm. says, um, it, but still, if you were a good engineer, you'd think, well, a robot's a very advanced piece of equipment. You know, we, we should think about all the capabilities this machine has, and we should try to redesign the uh, system, the whole system, so that we make the maximum use of the, the competences that this robot has. And so then he says a lovely line, well, isn't it strange that nobody thinks about that when the woman is doing the job? And then he has the line I'll never forget. If engineers could think about human beings as if they were robots, they'd give them more human work to do. Mm. And, oh. <laughs> and I just thought, this is absolutely right. What he just said, everything we're doing is upside down. We're doing it the wrong way around. We're, we're putting the machines in the center and then sticking a few people around them if there's some things that we can't do very well with machines, but that's the wrong way around. We should be putting the people in the center and we stick the machines around them, you know? Mm -hmm. And I would say in a way, that's what my life has been about since then, really. It's trying to work out how we could turn this upside down and make it, make what was strange seem normal and what was normal seem strange. <laughs> Um, this, this way of thinking about human beings that is not recognizing their dignity and not recognizing their, their central role in life. You know, it's kind of lost the idea about what work is about and what production is about. And why are we doing all this stuff? Mm -hmm. You know? Um, and so then I went to see him. He, he was retiring, but he told me about some things I could do. So then I carried on to do, uh, research in, in this idea of human-centered technology. It was, a, it was an area of research that was starting there. Um, and then that got me to join the Dominicans because mm -hmm. I found that in the engineering department, although there were some people who were kind of interested in this, they, um, 
they didn't really know how to deal with the with the, the tradition, which I realized while I was working on this was really the one that I wanted to use, which was the tradition of Catholic social teaching. They they never told me I couldn't do that, but they didn't really want to know anything about it. And I realized I couldn't really grow and develop. Whereas I started going to the house of Dominicans and with the Dominicans, I could talk about my project, but also talk about what I thought was a really important source of ideas for understanding what human centered could mean. What does work mean? Why are we doing all this? You know, and, and uh, so that led to me joining the Dominicans. And so then I got sent to be in this, this university in Rome. And I think since I got here, just to finish answering your question, I'd give you two sort of things, which I think have been really kind of exciting for me. Um, one is just the students who come here. Hmm. And you, you, you get this really wide range and some of them are really, really high flying and they're gonna go on and work in the UN and all this stuff. And it's great working with them. Some of them come from really desperately difficult situations. Mm -hmm. They wanna think about this, they wanna work about it and they go back home and they work in these things. And you just think, gosh, these people, they're, they're like the modern saints of, of our world today. You know, and mm -hmm. so I just think there's there's it's a really diverse group of students that we have, but you just feel it's such a privilege and an honor to work with these people because they are going to do great things wherever they are and wherever they start from or wherever they end up, they're going to be able to do something great for for this building the common good that we were talking about at the end. And then the second thing I would say is discovering blueprint and becoming part of blueprint for better business, because that really gave me uh, a partner to work with. But before I was sort of um, on my own in a way. And now I have this wonderful group to work with, which led me to the economy of Francesco as well and all the other things that, that the rest is history as we know. Um, so with Blueprint, you know, they're influencing some of the really big companies based in the UK. And you can see it's, happening at the level of the mindset people's ideas are changing and you may know there's um, a famous philosopher called Wittgenstein and he's got this wonderful phrase where he says the limits of my language are the limits of my world you know if you uh, can't see how human beings have dignity for instance in the workplace you are not going to be able to imagine how we could have different kinds of work systems, how we could think about our economy in a different way. But if you have this idea, if you've changed your mindset and you start your whole economy thinking, we should be building the economy on human dignity, then all these new possibilities open up. It changes the world. The limits of the language is the limits of the world. So Blueprint is really about changing the limits of the world, changing the language and the mindset to give people the chance to think new thoughts, to do new things, to, to build a stronger economy and a better common good. You were talking about Blueprint for Better Business, putting people's dignity in the center, even in environments as uh, universities and as businesses. And uh, I was wondering um, how um, the Christian social part uh, has influence in these uh, different areas? Okay, it's a really good question, Evie. Um, 
to give you a proper answer, I'd have to give you a whole course. We do a course about this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, but I'll try to give you some highlights, you know. Um, I think the Christian tradition works on several different levels. Um, the level that we all see very clearly is where we are responding to urgent problems. So, you know, you go to a place where there's a lot of people suffering from AIDS. There's people from the Christian communities that are working with those people. You go to a place where there's people with inadequate education structures. There's people from the Christian communities there trying to make a difference, trying to change it. You know, you think of any of these um, urgent situations, places where people's dignity is not respected, you're going to find people there who are inspired by their Christian faith to do something about it. So there's a level of immediacy, of, of reaching out to people in crisis situations or in or, or long-term marginalized situations. And that's, that's a really, really important thing. But I would say there's at least two other levels. Maybe we'll think of some others, but at least two other levels. Um, a second level would be influencing uh, the leaders in society um, and giving them ideas about how structures could be different. So we could be talking about business structures. We could be talking about local uh, authorities, local communities. Um, we could be talking about any kinds of organizations, which might be in education or in healthcare or, you know, to, so questions to do with how we coordinate each with each other and resolve problems and create outputs. Um, and there, I think uh, something like Blueprint has been really influential, but we could also think about things like the Christian trade union movements that we've had. Um, or uh, political parties that are sometimes Christian parties or sometimes they are not especially Christian but they've had people in them who are inspired by Christian tradition. Um, if we think for instance about European Union um, that has a very very strong and clear Christian tradition behind it uh, based on the two, two key ideas the solidarity and subsidiarity so the idea being that we should build links between these countries that were killing each other before, fighting each other. Mm -hmm. um, but also we shouldn't bring too many decisions to the central levels. We should keep as much as possible decision-making close to people. Mm -hmm. It doesn't always work. We're always trying to do it better, but that, that's a strong inspiration there. Um, we could also think about something like Urine Declaration of Human Rights, also very influenced by different religious traditions, including Christian tradition. Um, so there, there's, there's that kind of level. But then there's also, I'd say the third level I think about is really profound ideas um, that have, that sink into the culture and they influence on a very, very profound level. Well, I would say human dignity is one of these ideas. It hasn't had the same impact all around the world, but it has had the chance to have a long-term impact. It's an idea which has about 2000 years of history now in the sense of um, it being the idea that we have today, which is that every human person has dignity. It's an idea that was developed in the early Roman empire with the early Christians looking at the way the Roman empire worked, where 
a, a great emperor or a great general or somebody returning to Rome who'd won a huge victory was given dignitas. And so the Roman idea was that you got dignity if you did some great thing. And, and the, the Christian idea turned that upside down and said, you don't have to do anything to have dignity. You have dignity just because you're a child of God, just because you're made in the image and likeness of God. That's what gives you dignity. Now then you can do things which can enhance your dignity, um, but they often weren't the things that the Roman Empire thought enhanced your dignity, different things. But you can also damage, you can do things which are undermining your dignity as well. Um, but they're never going to take away your dignity for you because it's not you who gave the dignity to you. It doesn't come from you. You know, it's something that's given to you. Um, and um, it sort of comes from outside this world too. Well, now human dignity is an idea that has its own uh, value. People don't necessarily connect it with the religious traditions anymore. It's an idea which is open to everybody. Another idea I would say that's come out of the Christian tradition at that kind of level is the value of work, especially manual work. You know, in the ancient traditions, only slaves did manual work. And slaves, of course, were considered less than fully human at that time. Um, and the, the Christians started to change this idea and say, you know, Jesus was a worker, the monks do work, manual work is something noble. We can, we can do manual work and, and that's good for us. Well, that's really had a big impact in society today. You know, we, we often struggle in many societies to see manual workers as as important as people who are doing, you know, high ranking political jobs or that kind of thing. And yet, really, that is in our tradition that we, we should see that. We've seen in the pandemic, you know, it's the people doing the practical things like the nurses, the mm -hmm. people stocking the shelves in the supermarkets and, that, you know, how crucial their work is. So we've had an example of actually the, that, the truth of that, that idea uh, presented to us. So I would say the Christian thinking is working on different levels. It's working on profound uh, cultural ideas. It's working on structures and theories about things like business and economics and um, social structures. And then it's also working on day-to-day, -day, very on-the-ground um, life relationships between people, especially in difficult and urgent circumstances. My second question is related to uh, how, how to put it, the lowest moment in your job, but it's related more with the struggles that you face. How did you overcome uh, overcome them? Oh, and the thing, um, did you think about giving up in at some point? I, I'm just wondering what is the hardest challenge that you remember? That's a really good question. Um, I think one of the really hard challenges has been not being clearly in one field or another. Um, I, I, from the point of view of people who are in business or economics or politics, they look at me and they think, you know, what does she know? She's a nun, you know, I mean. <laughs> um, and, then, and then from the point of view of people in the church, they can look at me and say, but she's interested in economics and 
<laughs> politics. And, you know, that isn't really true uh, evangelization or true, um, you know, what we should be doing as, as religious people, you know. Um, and you, you have to deal with a lot of people not really wanting to take what you're doing seriously, not really valuing it. I mean, I said to you when I was doing my, my doctorate, the people in the university, they didn't want to take seriously the faith side of it at all. They didn't, they liked my project, but they just wanted that to be out of it, you know. And I think we can sometimes see in the church as well, I can have a lot of difficulty finding people who will work with us on this topic because they want to be more straight biblical scholars or more straight um, dogmatic experts or which I mean is all good you know it's not bad it's just that we need people who can talk across this boundary you know and you can be the other thing is it's hard to be good on both sides mm -hmm. you know I I know that I don't publish enough or do as much say on the business sphere as other people do and they can look at me and say you know she hasn't published many articles or she hasn't done this you know um similarly the people on the church side will say i'm spending too much time doing that you know so um <laughs> you can you can be um it's hard to be at the boundary on the other hand it's such a life-giving area to be in you know mm -hmm. it's it's where a lot of the big problems that we have now are and so it, it's a kind of it's a kind of a suffering with a good goal you know it mm -hmm. it's hard it's hard but it's you can see the value of it you know it's 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 got its purpose you know and especially when i see the students as you know see the young people like and like you know being in economy of francesco with you it's just, it's so life-giving to to be with the people like yourselves who want to make this connection you know and then you you know oh, all those problems i had they're worth it you know it's worth mm -hmm. it to stick to it but yeah sometimes you can get discouraged absolutely oh. <laughs> and and the things that you are saying it, it has spoken to me because uh i have found uh, down the road so many people that are like you i mean like they are uh, accountants and musicians or uh, uh, work in theater and but are social entrepreneurs like yeah. uh, this uh, way of um, living it's it's just people needs to know that we cannot uh, break ourselves we are just a one human being and a uh, part of being a human being it's uh, having this all these spheres inside us that uh, needs to grow. Uh, yeah. It's not just one part that it needs to grow or one field that we need to focus all of our energies, but uh, it's we need to grow as um, uh, entirely what is, is yeah. what I mean. We wanted to ask you, how do you see, how can you um, let our listeners understand where is this social profit, this um, common good construction profit? Well, I think there's so many things we could say. Maybe there's two crucial things to say. First of all, I'd say 
if we're talking about, let's talk about a business because that kind of clearly has economic profit. And yet we also want to say it has a lot of other kinds of profit in it as well. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's, let's talk about the businesses. Um, on the first level, I would say, even if nobody actually says this or recognizes it, in fact, the business is producing more than just financial profit because it's an organization of people. And when people work and when they act together, they are automatically generating other kinds of profit, other kinds of value, other kinds of output. Um, we are making ourselves as well as making profit. You know, So I think, well, the first thing I would say is it's not like you have to sort of work to sort of get this in. The first thing I would say is it's already there. Mm-hmm. What, what we need to do much more is to allow it to become much more clear, to actively manage so that we create clearly social value and, and natural value mm-hmm. as well as financial value. Um, and we probably need to think about the legal structures to some extent that, that the that people are in as well so that it doesn't hinder them because in practice as i say you get some people together they start working together they will start to produce human development they will start to be serving in some way a, a, a need in, in society and that means it's contribution to the common good you know um so these things are kind of happening automatically but they're not always recognized by our theories by the way we manage, by our the way we train in the management schools, our young mm-hmm. manager, you know, we tell them mm-hmm. not to think about any of that stuff, you know, and and that's so disabling. It's so um, distorting, you know. So that's the the, the 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 first thing I would say. And then I think the sec the second thing I would say is that. If we can give people different ideas, like we're trying to do in Blueprint, if we can give them different examples um, and we can connect to all kinds of examples that we can see some of these things happening in, then people will start to produce good ideas of their own. You know, I mean, that's basically how we learn as human beings. You know, we, we see other people doing things then we take those ideas back to our circumstances and we have to work out how to do something like that, where we're from. And, you know, people can do it and it's amazing what they can do and they can feel really fulfilled by doing that. So in some ways, I think we are in the world of profit and finance and that we seem a long way away from being able to do that. But on the other hand, I think if we could just change a few ideas and give people the image as you're trying to do in this pod quest that just that sense we could do this it could start happening quite quickly and 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 you know and with some interesting results because actually the foundation for it is already there it's already there we're not doing something that is sort of Un, unknown or completely new. What we're doing is is bringing to the fore and bringing out and making visible something that's already there. That's maybe not very well developed. We need to develop it more, mm-hmm. but it's already there in some way. 
And how can people contact you and know better about your work? Best way to contact me is by email. I'm a sort of older person, so I'm not so much on <laughs> social media. Uh, so my email is my surname, Alford, at pust.it. That's my university, Pontifical University of St. Thomas, dot it mm -hmm. in Italy. Um, and to know more about my work, well, um, I do have a not very well updated page on academia.edu, but I was just thinking the last couple of days I should go back to it and update it. Um, I can always send people a CV or talk to them, you know, I, uh, through through the email, but I will try to update my academia.edu page. So I'm glad you said that to me because I was thinking about it and now you've given me a good reason for doing it. So. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Perfect. Great, great. And listeners, uh, as usual, we'll put here in the description those uh, dresses which Helen talked about, okay? So let's move forward right now to that specific part of our show with the rapid questions. Let's go then. The first one is, what do you prefer, bread or rice? I prefer bread. Salty or sweet? Salty. Do you prefer dancing or having a drink? Having a drink. Laudato si or fratelli tutti? Oh, laudato si. <laughs> this is a tricky one. Huh? <laughs> Sunny or rainy days? Sunny. Rock or pop music? Rock and roll. Oh, great. Thank you, Alan. Thank you very much for this. These were our rapid questions. You rocked. And now we are going to that last part, which is the one all of our listeners usually um, look forward to it, which is, could you please share with us, with all of us, a call for action so we can implement in our daily lives to try to pursue this inner call, to try to transform this concept of profit in our communities and in our lives, please. Okay, so I say something which I think has helped me in my life and I hope it would help you too. Um, and I'm going to start off by talking about one of the things we do in Blueprint with the businesses. We ask them to think about the founding moments of the business. What, why was this business founded? What did the founders want to do? What was their hope, their dream? What was their uh, motivation, their mission? And it really can often help people to get in touch with what this business is really about, what its purpose is about, thinking about more than just making profit, beyond the profit making. And I think that that's really good in, in our lives as well. So I would like to encourage call to action on our between our listeners um, to think back over your life. You know, just like um, Henrique and Eve have been asking me, what were some of the key moments in my life? The great ones, the bad ones, you know, ones you can remember, ones that tell you something about what your vocation is, ones that when you reflect on them, you realize that is saying something to me. I think however old or young we are, we have something in our lives already which is significant that we remember that is a, is a marker that could help you in working out the direction of your life. 
So that's what I would like to invite everybody to do who's listening to us today, is to look back on your life and think, what are the key moments? Could be good, it could be bad, it could be happy, it could be sad, but just something that really struck me, that stayed with me, and that could guide me in the future. Perfect. Thank you so much, Helen. Thank you very much. And our our final, uh, we just want you to give, please, uh, to our audience, to the world, your final message. That 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 theme that you think uh, people should be uh, paying paying attention. You know, what is your message to the world? I think my message would be. Um, really a message of hope. We are in a set of circumstances which are pretty tough and difficult. We face so many crises, but I think in so many areas, we are a small step away from really powerful change for good. And so I want to give you a message of hope that we need to face the crises. We don't want to hide from them. We we need to open our eyes to the suffering, the difficulty, the harshness, the coldness, the, the exclusion, the marginalization, all those awful things which are really present in our world. Open our eyes to them, but with the eyes of hope, knowing that, as we said before, there's things already there. There's good things already there. We can help to make them more powerful in the world today by our actions, by our thinking, by our education, by our working together in solidarity with others. So that's my message, I think. Oh, thank you very much. You, you, deep, you touched it really deep in my heart. <laughs> These last days, I've been mm -hmm. thinking so much about hope and you touch it exactly in that specific word. Thank you very much, Helen. And thank you, thank listener, you. for being here with us and listening to this. And thank you for being here. Thank you to all of you. And thank you to all the listeners. If you enjoyed this episode and don't want to miss the future content, make sure to subscribe. You can also share with us a photo of yourself listening to this episode and tag us on social media. We are at Profit Podcast. We have a challenge for you. Go to our social media and you will find our quest post for this episode. It is an actionable challenge related to what you have just heard. We are sure will help you in this journey for a purposeful life. We want to hear from you too. Share your superpower stories with us. That will help other adventurers to stay inspired as well. If you want to support us, give us a review on any platform you're listening to this podcast. It will help others to discover us. This interview is produced by a group of young people inspired by the values of the economy of Francesco. Our team members are Alessandra Fasol, Enrique Sanchez, Ingrid Ocampo, Vincenti, and me, Evelyn Sanchez. Thank you for listening. And remember to bring out your superpower from your inner universe to the whole world. See, See you, you next time. time.